Okay, good afternoon. It's always a blessing and a tremendous privilege for me to share from God's Word. And maybe you're wondering if I came straight from Woolies and what do I have here? But I want you to stick a little bit uh, on Luke chapter 2, um, verse 51. It says, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And if you have, if you have kids, if you have grandkids, um, I used to, we used to be part of the, of the group from, from there with the baby kids, with the diapers, and with all this beautiful uh, time of, of, of growing up, uh, children. We, we still have two beautiful daughters going and transitioning to another stage in life. But when we came to Australia, one of the things that we left home uh, were some kind of some things that uh, belonged to our baby girls because we just brought, you know, the, 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 some of the things. And, and, and then my parents came uh, maybe two months ago, and when they came, we asked them to bring some of the toys and, and, and drawers and letters from those, those years. And I want to show you something. And I'm sure you have something at home, maybe uh, the first soccer ball, the first rugby ball, or, or something like that, the first guitar, whatever. But I have these two, uh, three things. So this is from Michaela. She used to sleep with this, and she uh, hugged this, and, and it was really beautiful. And, 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 and yeah, we have uh, beautiful memories with this. Uh, this belonged to uh, Antonella, and she used to play with that when she was like months uh, uh, a baby. Uh, this was a, a thong from both. They both both used that, and just I mean, it doesn't make sense maybe here because you are you don't use thongs and or shoes. Uh, but yeah, we do that in Chile. Uh, but yeah, we we use those those things, no. I, I, Maybe can't work for you. <laughs> but the truth is that we treasured memories from childhood from our kids. Some moments, the first steps, or when they climb a tree for the very first time, the first time surfing together, the first time fishing together, the f when they said mom or, or dad for the very first time. There are plenty of stories that we treasured in our hearts and in our minds, and we write them because we don't want to, to forget that. We have photos, we have stories, we have toys, and we treasure those things. Now, the story that we are about to study right now, it came, or many scholars, many scholars tell that it came directly from Mary. And verse 51 says that she treasured all those situations in her heart. And as you know, Luke was, he didn't show all the situations, so, so part of his work, he was asking questions and trying to write a, a biography of Jesus. That's how uh, we get uh, this gospel of Luke. 
And there is a lot of scholars that agree in this. Maybe, most likely, it was Mary the one who told this story to Luke. And then Luke put these details in Luke chapter 2, verses 2 to 20, uh, 52. We're going to have a variety of issues and topics, but I would like to share four lessons from Jesus' childhood. From four lessons from Jesus' childhood. And as we study this, please keep in mind, this in mind. This came directly for, for, from, from Mary, the one who was closer, the, one, the person that was closer to Jesus' childhood. We're going to study the lesson of poverty, the lessons of the promises of God, the lessons on parenting, and the lessons on priorities. So please read with me verses 22 and 24, Luke chapter 2. It says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn born male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with that is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And I want to talk about the, the lessons of poverty. Uh, there is much about uh, there's a lot of information of, of those days before coming up to Jerusalem. Matthew is going to say that after Jesus was born, uh, Joseph and Mary, uh, they were warned by an angel, and they ran away to Egypt because Herod, the king, wanted to kill all the babies. So have this in mind. Uh, Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus running away to Egypt leaving their family, leaving their stability, leaving their work, leaving all their relationships, and just running away to Egypt. Now they're here, coming back to Jerusalem. There's no uh, many information of, of how many days happened through those, those two big events, but the law of Moses in Leviticus chapter 12 tells us that the, the woman needed to wait uh, 40 days after going to the temple to have this rite of purification. The purification teaches us that Joseph and Mary, they were living in a context of poverty. Poverty. And we were singing, Behold, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And have this in, have this in mind. Is Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, living in this earth, the powerful and sovereign God, but living in the midst of poverty. And why I'm telling you that this is poverty? Because the offering that they offer to God to have this purification happen in their lives was the, just a couple of birds. According to Leviticus chapter 1, verses 2, 1 to 4, uh, verse 6 as well says that the, the required offering, the required offering was a year old lamb 
for a burnt offering. So the normal um, offering that they needed to, to bring for, to the temple for the purification was a one-year-old lamb for purification. But if you compare the offering that was on the law uh, with the offering that was on, on that, that we see here in Luke, we're going to see that they offer uh, just a dove and a pigeon. And it's just amazing how uh, the reality of the family, they, again, they, are they were refugees. They were running around. They were running to Egypt, running back to Jerusalem with, with not a, a, a stable place, with no work, with no family, with no family support. It is most likely that... Uh, Joseph and Mary, they were both coming to purification because Joseph, Joseph was assisting Mary during those 40 days because they didn't have anyone else to support them, to help them. So they were both coming to a purification uh, ride, uh, a purification ceremony, bringing this, this offering that, that only the poor people bring it, uh, uh, brought to God. And it just, it blows my mind just thinking that the parents of the Messiah, the parents of the, of God himself, they, they didn't have enough money even to bring a big offering to God. This is a context, and this is an environment where Jesus grew. Jesus was poor. He had lack of resources. He, was, he had lack of, of family uh, support. You're going to see in the Gospels that even his families, his relatives, they, they didn't believe that he was the Messiah because he was poor. The lesson of purification. Two Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Paul the Apostle writes these, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus grew up in a humble house with hard-working parents, with lack of resources, I can relate and kind of identify a little bit with Joseph. Just maybe, and we all can relate with this situation. I can imagine Joseph days before the rite of purification, days before going to Jerusalem, just thinking and talking to Mary, Mary, I don't have money enough to get a lamb. I can't afford that. We're running away. I left all my tools back in Bethlehem. I left all my, or parents, they, they, they are not here. 
to, to, to support us, to help us. We don't have friends here in, in Egypt. It's not our land. It's not our country. It's not our, our culture. Uh, we don't have money, Mary. W- what are we going to do? And there's plenty of moments in our lives like that. We don't know how we're going to make it. We don't know where the money is going to come from. We don't know how we're going to solve this situation. And Joseph was like that. But the lessons, the lesson of poverty, and write this down, is that God always provides a way. God always provides a way. God always provides despite our poverty. He will, always, he will always make a way. He, was, he will always provide. And even though they didn't have money enough to get a lamb, the perfect sacrifice, God provided another way for the people with lack of resources, for the people in the situations of, of Joseph and Mary. Okay, I'll give you another way. This is the lessons of, of the poverty of, of Jesus. No doubt, there is no doubt that this is a lesson that Jesus learned growing up in this home, a home of faith. He experienced, he experienced God's miraculous, miraculous provision. It was these lessons of poverty that, that helped him during his ministry to tell to his disciples, do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. God will provide. The lessons of poverty, God will will always provide. God will always make a way for his provision, for his help. There is a, a richness in, this, in the midst of poverty. And one of the greatest lessons that we, that we can teach to our, the next generations, one of the great, greatest lessons that we, we can teach to the next generations is that God always provides. And, and that we, we need to come to him in the midst of our needs. We're going to talk a little bit about parenting uh, during this teaching, but it is just amazing to see how our Lord Jesus Christ, he grew in this household with these situations, the lessons of poverty. Psalm 37 verse 25 says, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children's begging bread. Those are the things that we need to teach to the next generations, to trust in God, to call upon the name of the Lord in the, in the times of troubles, in the times of need. I can't imagine Joseph and Mary praying together with little, little Jesus, having their prayer list and, 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 and having those, those testimonies of God's provision. The lessons of poverty, the purification, but also the presentation. According to Exodus chapter 13, every firstborn needed to be consecrated to God. And 
as you can, maybe you remember, Exodus chapter 13, it is the narrative and it's the story of the Passover. And this figure is, is really special because during the Passover, because of the blood of the lamb that was in the door, because of that, God saved the firstborn from the Hebrews. And it's really interesting that maybe, in a sense, Jesus didn't have to be redeemed because he didn't have, have sin. Jesus was sinful. But, uh, I mean, he wasn't sinful, my Spanish. But in other way, Joseph and Mary consecrated Jesus to God. Jesus was presented to be redeemed in a special sense, to be separated to special ministry. Jesus was presented to be um, used by God. In these situations, in this situation, we can see the redeemed, the redeemer that was redeemed, was consecrated and separated to offer his life in, redeem, in redemption for all. It blows my mind just thinking that 30, 33 years later of this consecration, now the Heavenly Father is presenting not the baby Jesus, but Jesus the man, the Son of God, as an offering of redemption for all those who believe. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The Redeemer was redeemed, was separated, was consecrated. And after 33 years, this Redeemer died on a cross for our sins to redeem us for God with his blood. So the lessons of poverty, God always provide a way out. God always provide despite or poverty. Second lesson, the lessons of the promises of God. The lessons from the, of the promises of God. Simeon's story is very particular. He was waiting for consolation. In parentheses, it's a really, uh, it's an amazing way to refer to Jesus as the consolation. He was waiting for the Messiah, for the consolation of Israel. It is very marked in the Gospel of Luke, this concept of waiting. The Greek word for, for waiting here, is, here means endurance, waiting with patience, waiting with confidence, knowing that this is going to happen because God told me that he is going to do this. So I'm waiting. I'm actively waiting because I know that this, this will happen. Through all the, uh, the gospel of, of Luke, we're going to see one after, after uh, time after time, this, this picture, this illustration of someone waiting, actively waiting. Simeon was waiting for the consolation. He was waiting for with persistence. He was waiting with confidence. He didn't give up. 
He didn't doubt even the years gone by and, and nothing happened and the situation, all the situations stayed the same. He was still waiting. And in a way, we see the same illustration in, in some examples in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, giving, giving us this, this, teach, this teaching of persistent waiting. For example, Luke chapter 15, the shepherd searching for the lost sheep. The shepherd searching for the lost sheep. He left the 99 and he ran from the one that was lost. And he didn't stop until he found it. The father of the prodigal son, day after day he was waiting because he knew, Luke chapter 15, he knew that something was going to happen. That one day his son will come back. He was waiting, actively waiting. He, he never gave up. The persistent widow, Luke chapter 18. He was a bit annoying, and, and, and the, the, the bad judge, even though, uh, just because the, the persistence of his, this widow, this judge pay attention to her. So persistence is something that is, is through all this book. Simeon, in a way, echoes David's word in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. Waiting. He was waiting for the consolation because God promised him that before dying, he will see the Messiah. Dear brothers and sisters, there's a lot of promises from God in his word. And we need to learn from Simon, Simeon. We need to learn to wait with endurance. We, we need to learn to wait with patience. We need to learn to wait with confidence, knowing that if God promised, he will do it because he's faithful. He was waiting for the consolation, but also he, was, he witnessed the compliance of the promise. It's interesting that the name Simeon comes from Genesis chapter 29, verse 33. His name has a really interesting meaning. Uh, it means to be heard, to be heard. In Genesis chapter 29, verse 33, Leah's son is born and she expresses, because the Lord heard that I'm, I am not love, he gave me this one too. So Simeon names means be heard. And it's just amazing that he had this vision from God. He had this promise of God. And he was persistently waiting, praying, God, I want this to, to be true. I want to see this before I die. God, I want, I want to see this happening in my life. He was praying. He was waiting. And then he was heard. And it's just amazing as, he, as the Holy Spirit led him to the temple. He see the baby Jesus. He grabbed Jesus in, her, in his arms. And he says, God is faithful. Because the lessons of the promises of God is that God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Don't get tired of waiting. 
Keep trusting because God will work. We have two lessons here, two examples. In one side, we, we have Simeon, the one that was waiting, the one, the one that was praying, the one that, that, that was heard. But also we have Anna, the widow. She lived in the temple. And as soon as she sees uh, the baby Jesus there and, and he, she heard Simon uh, describing the situation, she did just one thing. She spoke to everyone about the child. She, she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So it's like Anna was in the temple randomly. She, she lived there, so she, she was walking by. So she sees this, this picture, and then she turns around, and she started to say, the Messiah is here. God is here. God is faithful. This is going to happen. This baby is going to save us. She was so excited that straight away, after seeing the baby born, the baby Jesus, he was telling everyone about this baby. Because like all the prophecies, all the situations came to one moment in history. Jesus was in, where she, he was in the temple. And this is a lesson about the gospel as well. Because we know that Jesus is our savior. We know that Jesus and we believe that Jesus died on a cross and he rose again. He, and he, he, gave a, he gave us eternal life. We know about heaven. And as Christians, we have a positive view of eternity. Because we know that after we die, we're going to be with God and we're going to stay forever with him. But I want to tell you that there is a negative view of the eternity. Those who don't know about Jesus, those, those who rejected Jesus, will be an eternity in hell. So we can learn our great lessons from Anna. This widow that saw Jesus, as soon as she understood the truth of the gospel, the truth of this prophecy, the truth of this person in the temple, she shared with everyone about what happened. Is there any, peop is there any person in your heart, in is there any person that comes to your mind that needs to hear the gospel right now? What are you doing with the gospel? What are you doing with Jesus? Are you keeping this amazing story just for yourself? Because yes, you have a positive perspective of eternity. We can learn from Simeon, but we can also learn from Anna. So straight away, share the gospel, share the truth of Jesus with everyone. Keep waiting. Keep trusting because God always keeps his promises. He always provides. He's faithful. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. During all the time uh, while we were waiting uh, to come to Australia, God brought a, 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 a beautiful verse to our heart, to our family that I, I want to share with you. Because there are moments of waiting. There are moments in our life that, that, that we're waiting for something to happen. And it seems like, okay, this is not going to happen. COVID came. Australia is an island. They shut the borders. There's no way to go there. 
then our, our little daughter, Michaela, she got a, a, a tumor on her brain. We need a surgery, so another reason, okay? No, we're not gonna be there. But time after time, despite the different situations, God kept this purse in our hearts. And I wanna, I wanna share this to you because maybe you're waiting for something to happen, like Simeon. Maybe you're, you're waiting for your, your children to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're waiting for any relative to, to, to be healed. Maybe you're waiting for a situation to, to change in your life. Maybe you're waiting for, for your kids to grow, for your, for your kids to come to know to the Lord. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false, though it linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. It will happen. If God promised it, it will happen. And Simeon experienced that. He was waiting for the consolation, and he experienced the consolation. The lessons of the promises of God. Third, the lessons of parenting. And... It seems like the Home Alone creators got inspired, got inspired of, of, on this story. Uh, I was reading and studying and, and, and laughing a little bit, but it's, it's just crazy, you know? To be honest, have you lost your kids at least once? <laughs> don't, don't, lie, don't raise your hand, but it happened. Uh, I was asking to my wife, have this happened to you? Because it didn't happen to me, never. I'm the eldest one, maybe the most important, I don't know. Uh, or the most cheeky, I don't know, but I never got lost. But I asked my wife, and she told me, Ivan, not just once, not just twice, but three times, my parents left me at church, and they went to catch the bus, there wasn't the boss, and then realized, oh, Maddie is not here. <laughs> Luckily, there were families in church, still in church. She was playing, and they, they, took, him, uh, they took her back to home. I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about parenting. And before I, I start this section, I want to read Psalm ch chapter 27, verse 10. Uh, if you can write this down, because I, I want to start with this. The Bible says, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And I want to share this because maybe none of you guys have the blessing of, of, of have kids, have the blessing of, of have children or grandchildren. But in a sense, the more that I think about this passage, I was thinking, okay, to some individuals, their parents, they will forsake them. But I think that the Lord will receive them through the church, through spiritual parents, through brothers and sisters that love the Lord and are available to be spiritual fathers of, or mothers of these, these kind of people, the forsakens, the forgotten. 
So I want to speak to you all. Jesus' development. Verse 40 says, And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. A transition for almost 12 years of silence. We don't see a lot of uh, descriptions of Jesus' childhood. We only see that he grew, he became strong, and he was filled with wisdom and with the grace of God. It, it is amazing to, to see uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses, verses 6 to 8, described in this practical way. Philippians says, do not consider equally, uh, uh, speaking about Jesus, he did not consider equally with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. There's a lot of maybe uh, funny stories about uh, the, the child Jesus, like, like a Jedi, like a Padawan, like moving things and running faster than the other guys and winning all the games. But the truth is that he didn't grab any of his God attributes to grow. So he grew just like us. He experienced the same situations, the same, uh, the same situations in, in life. He developed himself as, a, as, a, as all the other kids. So let, let's have this clear regarding Jesus' development. But I want to share four lessons regarding parenting. The first one is consistency. Consistency. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem. It's not easy to go to Jerusalem. We, you couldn't grab a catchy Uber or just ride a bike or... No, they walk 30 hours. It took almost a week to go from Nazareth to Jerusalem. Every year, Jesus saw his parents walking to Jerusalem to celebrate the, the Passover. So that's why one of the first lessons of, of, of parenting is consistency. Every year, Joseph and Mary, they walk a whole week to be closer to God, to remember the day of freedom, the day of the Passover. It was a day of testimony, a day of celebration. Consistency. As like parents, we had to be consistent, consistent with our spiritual lives. Every year. You know what? The law didn't require the woman to go to the Passover. But we see here Mary walking with Joseph. And that shows us that Mary was a godly woman. He wanted to be where, where God was. He wanted to, to obey God's word. He wanted to, to be there. Parents, there are not shortcuts to godliness. There are not shortcuts to work godliness. We need to work hard. We need to be consistent in our devotional life, in our prayer life, in our service, in our generosity. Jesus saw his parents modeling everything. Jesus grew up with godly fathers. Every year during 12 years, Jesus knew about this. Jesus knew about the Passover. It wasn't like Jesus had this in mind because he was God. He grew in wisdom because he had godly fathers. He got, he, he got parents that grew in their spiritual life. 
Dear parents, your kids needs, they need to know that there is no one in this world that, that prayed that pray more than you for them. They need to know that there is no one in this world, maybe the grandparents, but besides them, there's no one in this world that pray for our kids than us. Consistency. You know that this is one of the lessons from, from Joseph and Mary's parenting. They didn't give up. They didn't say, oh, maybe we will skip this year. It's a bit hot. Or um, I'm going, every year it's, it's harder to walk. The first, the, first year it, it took, the first year it took five days. The second maybe six days. Now it's taking more than a week. What's happening? I, I'm going to stay. But consistency. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says that a righteous person acts with integrity and his children who come after him will be happy. A righteous person acts with integrity and his children come after him with happy, will be happy. So every, every year, consistency. Second, commitment. When he was 12, they went up to the festival. It was common that the kids uh, started to get involved in these ceremonies at the age of 13, but for some, where, for some reason, they decided to start with Jesus at the age of 12. They were committed with God's law. They were committed with God's requirements. Let, let me read a quote, because one of the things that I want to encourage you to be committed is with your relationship with the local church. According to a research conducted by McCrindle in 22, uh, 2022 called The Changing Faith Landscape in Australia, he argues that while the cultural tide is shifting to a focus on no religion, there is a link between acting, practicing of faith, and satisfaction with life. Across all areas, Australian, Australians identify with Christianity who regularly attend church, at least monthly. They are more likely, more likely to be extremely or very satisfied than non-religion Australians. The areas Regular church attenders are most likely to be extremely or very satisfied are the relationships, their spiritual well-being, and their sense of purpose. Sense of purpose is also the area of greatest difference between regular church attenders 1.5 times as likely to be extremely or very satisfied with their sense of purpose than non-religious non Australians. Consistency, commitment. They took the 12 years old Jesus to the Passover. Brothers and sisters, we need to take our families to God. We need to bring our kids to God's word. We need to, kid, to, to, to take our kids, our children, to the altar, to prayer time, to devotional time, to scripture memory. Purpose in life, life satisfaction is so related with God, with the temple, with the relationship with God. Consistency. 
commitment. Third, communication. The Passover was basically a, a testimonial ceremony. They celebrate what happened in Exodus chapter 13 when, when Jesus saved uh, Israel. I mean, when, when God saved Israel, as they walked to Jerusalem, they were telling stories about that moment. They were reflecting. They were meditating about that. During the ceremony, they sang Psalm 113, 14, 15, 120, 138. So God's word was there. During that week of walking and while they were, while they were, went up to Jerusalem, there was a whole atmosphere of reflection and reminder of what God has done back in Egypt. So communication, this shows us the importance of communicating God's word to our kids, to talk about, to answer those questions. Our house needs to be a safe place to answer biblical questions. Last lessons is perseverance. I can't imagine how Joseph and Mary felt after leaving Jesus at Jerusalem. Uh, when they were back to, to, to Nazareth, a lot of scholars says that they used to travel in different groups. So Joseph, Joseph, he assumed that Jesus was with Mary, and Mary assumed that Jesus was with Joseph. But it ended up at nighttime, when the groups gathered together for sleep together, Jesus wasn't there. So they ran back with perseverance. It took them three days to find Jesus. One day walking back, one day they, they, they left Jesus, then they realized after one day, another day coming back, and a whole day looking through all the city of Jerusalem, looking for Jesus. That shows us perseverance. In a sense, in a spiritual sense, Jesus, he wasn't lost. He was in the temple. He was the son of God. In a physical sense, he was lost. But I want to encourage you to fight for your kids. To run for your kids. To do everything that you can for your kids. Run for them. There is a world behind them, chasing them that want to distract them from God. Run for your kids. Fight for your kids. The parents didn't stop until they found Jesus. Don't get tired of running towards your kids. Keep looking for your children. Keep leading them to Jesus. The lesson of parenting is that or childrens they don't need perfect parents. They need growing parents. They don't need perfect parents. They need growing parents. Constant, committed, with perseverance. Lastly, the lessons of priorities. Jesus answered, Mary found him. And Jesus told them, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He had a priority. Jesus understood his mission. He was subject to this knowledge of, of doing God's will. But another interesting thing is that Jesus submitted to his parents. He obeyed them. 
he did what their parents told him to do. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 12, uh, 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord give you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that I might go, it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life in herd. Jesus experienced the blessings of, of a life of obedience. Jesus experienced these blessings of, of obeying his, uh, his parents, of of, 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 of of obeying his heavenly father. We see this in chapter 2, verses, verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Dear teens here, young people here, obey to your parents. Obey God. Obey to your parents. Make that a priority in your life because God will bless you. Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 4 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us to learn and grow and live out everything that you speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.